everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the underground catacomb of the everyday missionary, or otherwise known as the second story of my house in my home office. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 212, and today's episode of the Everyday Missionary is a short episode, but it's also a promotional episode to say next week you will want to tune in because I'm going to do something I haven't done probably since the birth of The Everyday Missionary, which is I'm going to kind of go back and, and help articulate what exactly is the driving mechanism behind the podcast? Because uh, the podcast does something different than, let's say, my Sunday morning preaching ministry does. And so uh, in that context, my job is to be more of literally a preacher. I'm taking the Bible, opening it up, send, saying, here's what it says to the original audience, and then from that, here's what it means for us today. And so that's my preaching component. Where the everyday missionary has a very particular task, which is to figure out how we can, in fact, integrate into the culture that we live in, subversively work inside that culture, and then from that, bring Jesus to that context in such a way that it's the uh, identity of the kingdom uh, being pressed into the world that we live in. And because of that, the everyday missionary has much more of a prophetic type tone. And what I mean by that is not so much that I'm a prophet that has a crystal ball that knows what God is talking about. And I'm telling everybody what God is saying behind the scenes to those of us with special abilities and tinfoil hats or whatever else. It's not that. It's more the idea of saying uncomfortable things based on real life context to those who claim to be God's people. That's what a prophet would do. They would say the uncomfortable things, the countercultural things, the things that would oftentimes actually kind of make religion angry to hopefully from that tailor it in a direction that better represents God. That's what the podcast is meant to do. And so I'm going to unpack all of that next week. And I think it's going to be helpful for people because they think sometimes there's a sense of like, well, Matt, why do you push this? Or why do you say that? Or why do you beat up on your own or whatever else? And it's because that's the mission of the podcast. Now, that's not the topic for the day. That will be next week. That might be a little bit longer of a podcast. So this is like a commercial going in that direction. Uh, and so you want to know about that. That'll be episode 213. Why not pick 13 is the episode to do that with. But today's episode is 212. And like I said, it's relatively short, but I think it's really important for us as everyday missionaries when we're trying to maintain or retain an identity that sees that we are a foreign people in a foreign space, but with an agenda. And the agenda is Jesus. The agenda is not for us to pitch camp in the foreign space, to make the foreign space our home, to make sure that we protect ourselves in this foreign space. That's not the job of a missionary. Talk to any missionary that goes into a foreign environment and they know what their job is if it's not to just simply be a vacationary, right? If it's a really to be a, an authentic missionary, they're like, man, I'm not building a home here to make my life comfortable. If anything, I'm giving my life away for the betterment of the culture that I'm in. That's the mission. And so with that, one of the things I've been thinking about is this really important idea that as we are missionaries in the United States space, our priority is not to win at all costs, and our priority is not to ensure that Christianity thrives, is protected, is revered by the system or whatever else, uh, because I think when that happens, then we think, hey, as long as we win, that's all that matters. Winning at all costs is what's critical. 
And yet when I look at the ministry of Jesus, when I look at what the kingdom's all about, it's not the that we win, but rather it's how we win. I'm going to say that again because I'm all about repetition. It's not that we win that matters to Jesus. It's how we win that matters to Jesus. And there's a big difference between those two. And I'm seeing it right now within the context of just the culture wars in general and how I think in that we get pulled into thinking, you know what? They're the bad guys. We're the good guys. They're the liberal enemies. We're the conservative saviors, whatever it might be. And then with that, we just have to win. We have to make our point. They need to see that, you know, this is the truth and those are the errors. And no matter what it takes, we need to make sure that we come out as victorious on the other end, that we've protected society, that we've maintained culture, that we've, you know, whatever it is, emphasized certain values. And yet when I look at Jesus, I see that he's way more concerned with the tone, with the heart, with the how, and not simply the outcome. Because you can have outcomes where in the end you win, and yet the gospel loses. Or Christianity as a cultural phenomenon wins, but the kingdom loses. And so part of this is always remembering that the way we do things matters to Jesus more than simply getting things done. And and that's why I want to go to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I, I, I see Paul always trying to drag the kingdom into how he does things. And one of the things that seems to drive the nuance of the kingdom is that whatever the way the world does it, we do it opposite than the way of the world. And that's going to be then success as God's measure that like, like, here's what we want to remember, that when it comes to how God scores the card in the end, he's going to look way more at what was your heart? What was your tone? Who did you love in the process? What were you willing to sacrifice for the greater kingdom or gospel good? Uh, and even if it's a catastrophic failure in the end, it's like you win, right? Like you win because what it does is in the context or climate of a lot of pressure and a lot of temptation to use earthly weapons and earthly tools, you forgo that. And instead you lean into the methodology that Jesus sets forth in the identity of the kingdom. And you do things that way. And even if you're run under, you succeed. In fact, that's the whole essence of the martyrs of the early church. It was like from the perspective of the world, they lost from the perspective of revelation and the kingdom, they they win. It's like when you die, that's the victor. When you keep yourself alive, that is the loser, right? Like Jesus even talks about that. You protect your life in this life, you lose it. But if you lose your life in this life, well, then you gain it. It's like everything's inverted. And this is why Jesus lays down his life. This is why the apostles laid down their life. This is why they were not retaliatory in what they do. In fact, the only time any apostle ever sought to be retaliatory was Peter when he grabs a sword, lops off an ear, and Jesus says, hey, you dummy, you live by it, you die by it, put it away, we're doing it different, right? That's a great benchmark to remind us that it's not about winning, but it's about how we do things and whether we win or lose is not based on the outcomes as this world measures it. It's based on the outcomes of how God measures it. That God wants us to be like Jesus as we do things and that's the win on the scorecard. If we do it like the world does it in the name of Christ and we win, it's a loss on the ultimate eternal scorecard because God's scoring it differently. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this basically. 
He says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. So I just want to stop there for a second because, again, Paul does what Jesus does, which says, as the world works, do things opposite than the world. So the world measures outcomes based on certain successes where losers are losers and winners are winners, but God inverts that and says, I measure it based on how you get things done, not just that you get things done. And so think about that. Even though we're humans, we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Think about the weapons of today. It's all about, again, if you can best the other guy, if you can outwit the other guy, if you can outlast, outplay, outshame, whatever it is, that's how you win. If you can outbanter, if you can outbludgeon, if you can outsmart and think, that's how you win. But Paul uses godly weapons, not earthly weapons. He doesn't exercise the principles of victory as the world does. In fact, we see in his Corinthian correspondence elsewhere that he's like, you know what? Some want signs and others want like information and knowledge, but we just preach Christ, right? And in that, the preaching of Christ and the the, the methodology of Christ was this idea of loving God, loving sinners, loving enemies, right? All the stuff of the Sermon on the Mount again, like it just comes back to those are the weapons of God. God wants us to use the weapons of like the fruit of the spirit, like do that or the weapons of what, again, the definition of love is in first Corinthians 13, like that's the weapons that are utilized in what we do. And so part of this is just realizing that the way that you see all of the vitriol and frustration and try to one upsmanship other people, that's just not the stuff that Paul uses. In fact, it's interesting, the way he started off that chapter before he goes into this whole idea that, hey, we tear down strongholds in a way different than the way the world does it, is he says, now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. So how does he want to get things done? Through gentleness and kindness, that those are the weapons that are God's weapons. Those are the mighty weapons that God uses. See, I think this is important for us as everyday missionaries that we would have some ownership over the fact that sometimes we turn to lesser mediums that actually don't accomplish our task, but but in fact, actually go against our task. Where instead of wooing and winning people over to Christ, we actually frustrate and turn them off to the things of Christ. I keep every single week dealing with people that are like, what's up with you Christians? What is up with you? In fact, I even came across a little cartoon where it shows God in heaven standing next to an angel looking at the earth. And he says, I think I'm beginning to prefer the ones that don't believe in me nowadays. Now, I know that sounds sharp and barbed and even already begins to hint at next week's podcast on on maybe why I choose a more prophet-like tone in the podcast. But it's because I'm experiencing it all the time where I think even the world looks and kind of understands the rule book of Jesus and doesn't see it being played out as much among those who claim Jesus. And so this is why we want to, again, recalibrate and say, what are God's mighty weapons? What we know is they're not worldly weapons. And understand, Paul's not talking about like swords and spears and cannons and bazookas and F-16s and all of that. That's not his point. He's talking about the weapons of relationship, the weapons by which people are convinced to think differently. 
And when we use God's weapons instead of worldly weapons, which for Paul's context in Corinth is things like philosophy and certain earthly ethics and governmental structures and all of that, he says, no, when we use God's weapons instead, that's the stuff that will tear down proud obstacles. That's the stuff that will teach people to obey thoughts and take them captive and obey Christ in a different way. What he's getting at there is when we actually look, live, think, sound, function, act, and react differently, in other words, like Jesus, the world has no defense for that. It doesn't expect that kind of radical gentleness and kindness and love to be maintained and displayed in a harsh environment. And so the how becomes the tool to true victory. Not by, again, the tools that the world uses, like guilt, shame, manipulation, you know, bludgeoning verbally or whatever else. Not by mocking and not by teasing and not by belittling, but rather by humility, by love, by generosity, by gentleness, kindness, meekness, and grace. Those are radical things that the world doesn't know how to deal with. In fact, I think it's why the world is so attracted at times to people that are genuinely grace-filled, genuinely kind people. The world stops and takes notice. And if anybody should have like a really tight grasp on those themes, it's those who follow Jesus. Because Jesus was the embodiment of those themes. And I believe if we can graph that in, if we can say, you know what, my mission every single day is to truly think like Jesus as I face the world, to react like Jesus as I deal with the world, to love the world like Jesus loved the world, even at the cost of myself, my comfort, like in my case, the cost of my sarcasm, like I want to be sarcastic and everything else. And and yet I go, that's not going to win anybody. It's only going to create more confusion, more distance, more frustration, more division. And so I go, if I want to really be like Jesus, I've got to stuff myself. But in that, let him come forth. And I believe the more we are doing that, the more we will be effective everyday missionaries.